At Urban Farm Podcast, we are all about education, and April is Foliar Feeding Month. Have you heard of it? It is a super simple application of spraying liquid organic fertilizer on your trees and garden plants. The leaves, branches, and trunks are incredible at absorbing nutrients. And if your soil isn't great or your pH is off, foliar feeding is a quick and long-lasting fix to get your plants the nutrients they need. Want to learn more? Join us for our free online webinar on how to apply this amazing process to your gardens and fruit trees. Visit urbanfarm.org to sign up. That's urbanfarm.org. Greetings, urban farmers, gardeners, and healthy food visionaries. Farmer Greg here, and welcome to the 416th episode of the Urban Farm Podcast, where every day we work together to educate and inspire you to become part of your food revolution. Did you know the best seeds for your garden don't come from the nursery? In fact, the seeds that will create the most robust and delicious fruits and vegetables come directly from your garden. This is because they are uniquely adapted to your growing conditions, better than anything you can buy from a fancy catalog or website. Through the magic of seed saving, it is quite possible to have the garden of your dreams. The best part is, saving your own seeds is surprisingly easy and fun. With a bit of instruction, anyone can become a seed-saving superstar. Let us teach you how in our free seed-saving webinar. Just text SEEDS to 33444 to sign up or visit SeedSavingHacked.org for more information. That's SEEDS to 33444 or visit SeedSavingHacked.org. Today on our podcast, we have someone who is transforming waste into soil, jobs, and community. We're talking with Sarah Boltwala Messina about community composting. Sarah is the executive director of Anika Small Earth, a nonprofit that started Food to Soil, where they train interns in good composting techniques. Food to Soil collects vegetative food scraps from local restaurants, then composts the scraps at two urban farms in San Diego, selling the finished product to local gardeners looking for high-nutrient compost. Anika Small Earth is a charitable organization working to enhance the network of community composting hubs across San Diego. Their aim is to build the collective capacity to transform food scraps into soil and jobs for the community. Welcome to the show today, Sarah. Are you ready to rock composting? I am, Greg. Excellent. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at today? Yeah. In a simple sentence, I was headed to the Wall Street and fell into the dumpster along the way, and I've just been in it ever since. I have a business background. Uh, I was born and brought up in India. Mm -hmm. I came to the United States to get an MBA and worked in the traditional finance industry for over a decade. Wow. And then I decided to just take a break. I had two little kids and just wanted to take a break and find something, uh, spend more time at home and, you know, find something different to do and fell into this waste world really by accident. And I've worked in it for the last 
10 years now mm-hmm. and 3 years ago we decided to form food to soil mainly because i realized that if waste is a resource then as a society we have failed to put value to that resource amen to that <laughs> and i'm on a mission to figure out ways to find value in that waste stream and that's how food to soil as a social enterprise was born wow well so i want to go back cuz you made a really fun statement you said you fell into the compost pile how did you discover this cuz there's got to be a story there yeah so it all started with me and a group of other parents trying to start a recycling program in my kids school mm-hmm. um, they were in elementary school at that time and we were just you know naive parents new moms that were trying to get all the bottles and cans in the blue cart and we realized it was really difficult unless we literally dug through those through the trash cans and separated out the bottles and cans mm-hmm. it was just not happening and because i have this business mindset and i try and look follow the money i realized that one of the biggest problems was that there was no financial incentive for anyone to do the right thing right so that's how it all started i just realized i mean you know if our our original plan was to actually start a composting program and a school garden which would feed the cafeteria uh, with the produce grown at, at in the garden uh-huh. but the principal said you know the school garden is something that's it's it's a high commitment why don't we we're struggling with recycling why don't you guys start there and then we'll we'll amplify and go to the garden and and start a garden and so that's how we sort of you know started the recycling program and i realized that if you were having so much trouble with just recycling getting people to move like you know uh, one inch basically from the from the trash cart to the recycling bin uh-huh. it was going to be a hard sell to get people to commit to a school garden work on it feed the cafeteria get all those logistics in place and so uh, we gave up on that recycling program it didn't go anywhere but my journey started in trying to find those financial incentives for people to do the right thing and so that's why i said i fell into the dumpster on my way to wall street oh how fun so one of the things that i know about the phoenix market we have 4.4 million people here is that we have something insane like 1100 tons of food waste a day that is thrown away here. So I'm sure that you're dealing with something at least of that magnitude in San Diego. How are you dealing with that? And it sounds like you're going into community composting rather than individual composting. And how is that different? So community composting is basically where we pool in the resources or the the food scraps from everyone in the community. Mm-hmm and compost at a centralized location the way it's different from individual or backyard composting is that in backyard composting you're responsible for what you generate maybe you have some contributions from your neighbors but in community composting there is several hundred families or households that are 
pooling in their resources, either because they don't have the time to compost or they live in apartment complexes and don't have the space to compost. And so that's sort of the difference. And then the next step up is commercial composting, where you would you know, a hauler would send a truck down in in the city uh, through all the neighborhoods and collect all the scraps, and then it's taken to a a very large facility where it's either composted to make soil or it's uh, thrown into an anaerobic digester, which generates methane, which is an energy source, mm-hmm. and the digestate is can be used as additive to the soil. Oh, right. The what's left over. Right. So are you finding that there's a lot of food waste available for you? Oh, yes. Yes. We have a waiting list of restaurants and breweries who want to participate. Oh, wow. San Diego has, right now, in at, at the end of 2018, we have one city-run composting facility. There are plans to bring in more uh, private composting and anaerobic digesting facilities. We don't know when. Uh, Uh It's at least a couple years out, I'm told. But food to soil is the only other composting option that San Diegans have. And we receive inquiries every day from restaurants, residents to offer composting services to them. There are just a whole bunch of food stuff. We actually receive inquiries even from farms uh, who are either growing food or raising animals Mm -hmm. for clean source-separated feedstock so that they can make their own compost or shift away from soy and corn uh, for animal feed. So there's there's a big demand, and that's exactly, you know, what I was after in terms of finding that value. There is value in this stream. We just need to separate it from the trash stream mm-hmm. and make sure that it is that, and make sure that we create those uh, those paths so that they can be exchanged. So the resource can be exchanged between the generators and the farmers. Yeah. So really, what you have here is a food waste disposal service for the restaurants. That's, That's right. Yeah. Wow. And. So how do you go about collecting it, and who are you collecting from? You already mentioned restaurants and breweries. Do you collect from homeowners? Yes, we do collect from homeowners. So we offer uh, three different kinds of services. The first one, and we really encourage every homeowner that has the time and the space to compost to do it themselves. Backyard composting is not always a successful journey, and it's just because people will show you how to start it, but then there's no one to hold your hand along the way. Mm -hmm. So what we do is at our community compost hubs, we provide advice and the supplies for anyone who has started a home composting pile and is having trouble or questions or needs mulch or maybe some compost starter. We encourage them to just stop by, talk to us, I'm sure in most cases we're able to, you know, help them. Mm-hmm. And that allows them to get back on track. So if we can keep those nutrients in the home that they were generated, that's the first and most desirable step. Right. The next step is for those who may not have the space or the time to compost. Maybe they live in an apartment complex. Uh, maybe they're too busy. Maybe they're older and have, you know, physical issues in terms of uh, turning compost piles mm-hmm. or whatever. 
So for them, we offer drop-off programs all over the city. We have hubs where you can bring in your scraps that you collect over a week and right. drop it off in our carts. Unlike other community composters in the country, we do not offer doorstep pickup services. We are expecting the residents and the households to bring their scraps to a common, to a centralized collection spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and from there, we pick up those carts and take it to a community garden or a community compost hub and compost it over there. The third flavor of community composting that we offer is pickup services. And the pickup services are offered only to businesses because um, they are generating large volumes and it is worth it to go to the door and pick up that, that volume right. of scrap. We also offer on-site composting for corporate campuses oh, wow. or residential complexes that might have the space and want to just offer this either to their employees or their residents or compost the materials that are generated in the in the corporate cafeteria. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a full service, so it goes from scraps to soil. We, we manage everything. We bring in our compost setup. We manage everything, and then the company or the apartment complex has the option to either sell the soil or give it to their employees, however they want to use it. Wow. So I want to dive in a little bit and talk about the funding sources for this. I I see multiple opportunities to be able to charge or make money at it because, you you know, in our culture, we still have to pay for things. So are you charging for the pickups and the drop-offs? And how does that work? Yeah, so we charge for our services. We are social enterprise that's trying to create a solution that Mm -hmm. is people-powered. And so we have intentionally stayed away from grants and donations, and we are really trying to to build that secure foundation that's customer-funded. The way we fund our program is by charging. So the the backyard composting piece is just a service to the community, Mm -hmm. uh, and there is no charge for that. But the drop-off members are charged a very nominal $10 or $15 a month where they sign up online, they select a hub that's convenient to them, and then they're given a bucket and uh, any information that might apply specific to their drop-off hub. And that Mm -hmm. sets them up to be able to, you know, drop off on a weekly basis or however often they want. They want to. Awesome. And are those hubs there all the time so people can drop off any time or? That varies. So uh, we have partnerships with various organizations. There is the City Farmers Nursery is one of our drop-off hubs. They Uh also sell our finished compost. Oh, nice. Yeah, so it's a closed loop there. So drop-off members who select that hub as their drop-off location Uh uh, have to keep the hours that City Farmers is open. Right. There is a coffee roasting place where we, uh, Achilles Coffee, where we pick up their coffee grounds and they also serve as a drop-off hub in their community in the downtown San Diego area. And residents have to keep those times as well. Mm-hmm. So watch, watch when Achilles is open. All our compost, our community gardens where we compost also serve as drop-off hubs. So in those places, residents can just drop off anytime. We encourage them to drop off during daylight hours because community gardens don't always have, you know, light and stuff. Right. 
So just during daylight hours is great, where, but they can drop off at their wow. convenience. We have things set up where they can access it without having to come into the community garden. Uh-huh. So it just varies depending on where the hub is. Perfect. So before we go past that, what you're asking for is basically for the community to contribute a little bit to you. Yes. Like $15 a month to be able to drop off their food waste. How is that going over with the community? Are you getting a lot of people saying, yeah, I'm interested? Yeah, we are very surprised by that. I mean, remember that San Diego is one of the few cities that offers, where the city offers free trash collection. Uh And so many residents, and that's what we had thought, will just not, this will not go well with them, where Uh they have to now pay for, pay first and then drive and then drop off their scraps. Mm-hmm. But interestingly, there's, you know, the new generation who live in multifamily complexes, high rises, and they, they're they looking for this service. They want to do wow. the right thing. And they they are open to this. And, and we were also very surprised that there is a, there's a considerable, significant population mm-hmm. that wants to compost and understands the benefit as well as the costs associated with running such a service. Wow, how exciting is that? You must be you must be stoked that the community's like into it. Yes, we absolutely are. We San Diego is an incredible city to offer this program and be in and we've had our ups and downs with, you know, the the city and the policymakers. Mm-hmm. So all along that the community has really supported us all along that. So we're, we're really, really fortunate to be here. So I, I just want to get this straight. So you charge $15 a month for people to drop off from homes, all really all the compost that they want to bring you. And they don't get anything else in return except the good feeling of dropping off compost to you. That's right. Uh, we are building, we offer a member benefit program um, where they can get a, a bucket of finished compost if they want. But most of our members live in apartment complexes mm-hmm. or they don't have the time to garden. So they don't really avail of that finished compost. They don't have use for it. We also offer just, you know, uh, benefit programs where we'll organize some informational tours or mm-hmm. offer discounts to local businesses. And we're just getting started on that member benefit. So, I mean, most of our members did not sign up for the benefits. They right. just see the value in doing this. Excellent. And so I, I want to ask you maybe a little bit of a edgy question. And, and do you have, what, 10 or 20 people that have signed up for this? Hundreds of people that have signed up? Thousands? How many? No. So we have about 50 members signed up. Uh-huh. Um, our, our drop-off program didn't start until February of this year. We oh, had, wow. We had, yeah, we had to make some changes to the municipal ordinance. So we did not roll our drop-off residential program until the city made those municipal ordinance changes. Yeah, so we we have about 50 members. We have about seven drop-off hubs, mainly in the downtown and surrounding areas. Wow. So let me just get this straight again, because you keep doing these epic things that keep working. You actually had the city change their ordinance so you could do this. Yes. (laughs) Wow. It sounds very simple, but we... Again, we had the support of many other organizations in Mm -hmm. this, and so... 
Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, that's policy has to change for these innovation, the, for these innovative things to happen. So we've covered homeowners. Now let's jump over to restaurants. You're actually charging for pickup of food waste at the restaurants, right? That's right. How does that work? We provide them with an organics cart. It's a 32-gallon recycling cart, specially designed for organics. Mm-hmm. They fill it up, put it out by the curb every week on the designated collection day, and we go by in our truck and pick it up, take it to a compost uh, to a community garden, compost it. When we pick up the full cart, we drop off an empty clean cart and keep the cycle going. Wow. Now, do you charge by weight or is there a pickup fee? How's that work? No, it's a, it's a per cart pickup fee. So every cart, we charge $15 for picking it up and they pay on a monthly basis. We bill them monthly. Wow. And so really for restaurants, for picking up food waste, that is cheap. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, well, it's more expensive than just trashing it. Oh, is it? Uh, okay. Trash, trash and waste will always be the cheapest option, no matter what. Mm-hmm. But uh, the state of California passed Assembly Bill 1826, which requires organics recycling. Oh. And so many of these restaurants and businesses are looking for recyc- uh, organics recycling options because of that regulation having gone into effect. Oh, cool. All right, good. So we've got the home, we've got the restaurants, and now you're making this really awesome compost. You sell that. That's right. Tell me about that. The compost, uh, when it is made, we the drop-off members get a bucket of compost if they want. Mm-hmm. But we have this partnership with the with the City Farmers Nursery. That's an that's our exclusive retail outlet. And we sell our they sell our compost for us. So we because our compost is live, meaning it is not sterilized, it has all the beneficial microorganisms that do the nutrient cycling when they're added back into the soil. Right. So we cannot bag our compost because if you bag it then they don't have the oxygen and you know ah. the, the life dies. Mm-hmm. So we sell our compost or city farmers sells our compost in bulk, meaning we just drop it off in a planter, and then people, whoever is interested, the gardeners can scoop uh, the compost into their bags. They bring their own bags, or we have some bags over there, and they pay by the scoop. Oh, wow. So just like your bulk bin in a grocery store, you can, where you scoop up as much rice or grain that you need, you can scoop up as much compost that you need. And how much does a scoop cost? 75 cents a scoop. We also have a bulk compost sale. So if people want to buy in bulk and not by the scoop, but like in 50-gallon quantities, mm-hmm. they can come to the community garden and we sell the bulk uh, compost at a dollar a gallon. Wow. This is a really amazing model that you're putting into place. Are you going to start documenting this model so that... Other people in other cities can do it? Uh, I I am really hoping to. We want to make sure that we make this foolproof, and then we're hoping to share this model with other cities and counties in in, uh, the state of California. Uh Uh-huh. Because community composting, it's uh, there are it's just riddled with a lot of regulatory barriers, and we just happen to be in the city of San Diego, which has made consciously made room for community composting, but that's mm-hmm. not true 
for other cities, counties, as well as other states in the country. So we are hoping that, you know, once uh, not only from a regulatory perspective can we be a model city, but also the way we're running food to soil where we we build in various offerings that augment revenue and then provide a livelihood and income for the people running it. Wow. How cool is this? So then there's also one more way you do it. You actually set up on-site composting uh, for organizations. And what kind of organizations might that be? So we have two on-site composting hubs right now. One is at General Atomics. General Atomics invited us to set up an on-site compost hub at their campus. We compost everything that the cafeteria generates. And then it just depends. This this The on-site composting pro, uh, program is a very customized program. So mm-hmm. we work with the generator to see what their needs are, what volume of scraps they're expecting, whether they want us to come once a week or twice a week or every day, if they want their employees to bring in scraps from home because um, employees are looking for ways to compost and they may not have uh, the time or space to compost where they live. So it's just a very custom piece. And so based on, you know, the work and effort involved, we price that. The other compost hub that we have is at San Diego Mesa College. It's a community college, very well-known community college in San Diego. And they have a, a garden, and they were looking for options for organics recycling and invited us to set up a compost hub at the garden and compost what the cafeteria generates, as well as the culinary right. department. Wow. What you're doing here is really revolutionary. We have had over 400 episodes on the podcast, and I've talked to composters in the past, and I've never seen anything quite like this. This is extraordinary and epic. Good for you. Thank you. Yeah, you bet. So you've mentioned a couple of times that you've had to change regulations with the city of San Diego. What kinds of things were you changing? So to be able to compost, to be able to collect scraps from businesses and residents in the way that we wanted, where we wanted to charge for the service so we could pay the people collecting and composting the scraps. Mm -hmm. We had to interface with the hauling regulations. And hauling regulations in the state of California, and I'm told across the country, are extremely rigid and unfavorable to uh, these people-powered solutions that we are advocating for. Mm -hmm. Basically, the waste stream in many cases is assigned to one or two hauling companies. And at that point, they have the first right to your waste and they have the ability to charge you for picking up that waste. Food waste is a part of that solid waste. And so... When a community composter comes in, such as us, comes in and says, restaurant, we will take your scraps and compost it. Don't put it in the dumpster. We have opened up a can of worms at that point because we are now in violation with the hauling rules that the that the city or the county might have. Wow. Uh, because we are now acting as a competitor to the hauler by making a claim on that waste stream, even though the hauler is landfilling it, whereas we are composting it. So basically the city had, in the municipal ordinance, it had 
provisions which said that you cannot charge for picking up any waste. You can pick it up for free, but you cannot charge the generator for it. Or the generator can self-haul it to the to wherever they want. So they could bring the scraps to us, but but we couldn't offer that service to them where we pick it up from their doorstep. Mm-hmm. So this is this is common for all of California. So that's you know the the hauling end of it. There are also regulations which are uh, which go into zoning, where zoning prevents farms and ranches and community gardens from bringing scraps from off-site. So you could compost what you're generating on-site, but to bring up nutrients from off-site, you would be violating zoning provisions. You know, we were sort of a gray area because uh, Food to Soil is a collective. I forgot to mention that. We are a collective of gardeners, restaurants, and residents. Mm-hmm. So in a way we were doing a creative interpretation of the of the law at that of the ordinance at that time by saying uh, that because we are a collective it is like self-hauling you know because the the individual is giving is assigning basically their right to the collective to do this on their behalf. Oh, very good. Uh, it was a creative interpretation of the ordinance <laughs> good we for you. Uh-huh. Yeah. But but we also knew that you know we are in a gray area and that we need we need to get this we need to get clarity on this from the policymakers if we want to expand we cannot expand as a as a loophole or as a gray or in the gray area so city of San Diego actually in four or five years ago had created a designation for small recyclers where they were allowed for small recyclers uh, who they they didn't need to have the franchise hauling license. They could just be small recycling companies and they could uh, collect recyclables as long as they kept their operations to under 1,000 tons. But what the city did in 2017 was, or 2016 was, they said that food waste is excluded from the definition of recyclables. So that's where we went in because at that point, uh, food to soil would have become, would have definitely become illegal. You know, so so they were basically picking us up from the gray area and throwing us in the in the non-compliant group mm-hmm. by making by specifically putting in the language that said food waste is not a recyclable. So we just you know we had to fight with the city. We had to go meet with all the council members and of course they didn't know you know the background of what what had happened right you had to educate um, them exactly we had to educate them and it was a very elegant solution in the end where all we did was have the the city put in the fact that food waste uh, uh, vegetative food scraps so that means no meat no dairy mm-hmm. so vegetative food scraps would be considered uh, a recyclable and small recyclers would be allowed to haul that that stream as long as they kept it under 1,000 tons a year. Oh, wow. That was quite a project just to get you started. That's right. Yeah, so actually, you know, we were operating. We started operating in 2015, and we knew that we were not fully legal, but sometimes you have, it's easier to ask for forgiveness mm-hmm. than to ask for permission. Yeah. And with, with a lot of these innovative ideas in farming and waste recovery, I think policymakers are looking for viable examples yes. to base their policies on because 
there are a lot of great ideas, but, you know, it's not the government's job to... Government cannot be the, the venture capital funder, right? I mean, right. they can't make bets on what works and what doesn't. And so sometimes you just have to go out on a limb and make those fair assessments of, you know, what happens if this were to go wrong. In our case, you know, we said, what's the worst thing that can happen? The city will come and shut us down. And yeah. what do we have to lose except a couple buckets? So that's what we did. Well, this this whole story is... is Wow. Epic. Congratulations. Good job. So I'm going to go ahead and shift on you. And I'd like for you to talk about a time you failed, how you overcame that failure and what you might have learned from it. I've failed many times. I think what I really want to stress on is that it's not really about failure and how you overcome it. Sometimes it's just about shifting your your view of these things that society terms as failure, but Mm -hmm. it's just really something that didn't work out. Maybe the time was not right for it, or you didn't package it properly. And maybe its purpose was to teach you something. And so in that sense, it was not a failure. It served its purpose. I have done several things that did not work out during Food to Soil's journey. We've tried to implement programs that uh, were not received well by the community. And I think the trick really is to not take everything so seriously, not take ourselves seriously, but also not take, you know, the way people react to what we're doing so seriously that it acts. So basically not attach the word failure to things. Right but rather just say, okay, this didn't work out. And when you do it that way, it just allows you to get up and try something new without just being upset over it for a very yeah. long time. Amen to that. So what do you consider your biggest success? And I, before you answer it, I can see so many things that you could say here. So I'd be really curious to what, you could, what you're going to say. I think for having seen the entire journey so far for Food to Soil, I think our biggest success has been to show that community composting can be viable and that it is, there's a business proposition to it. Mm-hmm. Not everyone likes that we approach it as a business. Not everyone is thrilled that, you know, we are charging for, tra- for food scrap pickup. But I think the fact that we've been able to survive this long and during a time when, you know, we didn't really have many friends in uh, in the city government. Mm-hmm. But being able to turn all that around and, and show that this is a viable model, that we just need a little bit of support from policymakers so that, you know, it doesn't, so, so life doesn't become hell for us, just right. where we don't spend so much energy trying to change their outlook. And this is a viable model that this adds value to the community. There are a lot of other, other cities and counties that are looking at us to see uh, what they can do to change their policy, to make room, to consciously make room for community composting. And I think that that really, in my mind, even if food to soil were to fail and, you know, this would all just not pan out in the end, mm-hmm. I think the fact that we've been able to offer a different model, start the beginning of a paradigm shift, for me is success. And, and again, yeah. you know, I'll go back and say it's not about failure and it's not about success. It's just about things that worked and things that did not. And for me, just the policy shift 
is huge. one thing that, that has worked. That's huge. That is huge. I, I have two degrees, a bachelor's and a master's degree in environmental, urban and environmental planning, and trying to deal with municipalities to change policy is, is a huge project. So the sheer fact that you were able to do that is huge. So congratulations. So what drives you? That's a good question, Greg. I I don't really know what drives me. I think I think what I'm really interested in is creating an organization that that runs on the evolutionary teal principle. For me, designing a self-functioning organization mm-hmm. that helps people provide jobs for people serves the planet, and that is financially secure is a challenge. And that's the challenge that I'm working on. People say that, you know, I'm about to, I I want to change the the waste recovery system and add more nutrients to soil and all that. Yes, I, I, I want to do that. But I think the one thing that really drives me is to solve existing environmental and social problems, but do it in a way that's financially sustainable. That yeah. is what drives me. Yeah, that's huge. And I want to provide maybe one model where we can show this to the younger generation, the millennials, the, the people who are about to take the reins of society from our hands and show them that this is a way they can live but also have a flourishing career in. Awesome. So if you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be and why? I have two books for your listeners. Okay, good. Um, So the first one is Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. If you are an entrepreneur, if you have an idea and you're looking for a way to manifest it, then you have to read that book because it will change your outlook on what you have in mind, but also provide you a path to to fulfill that idea. And then the second book that I have is Reinventing Organizations by Frederick Leloux. That is the book that has really given me the framework to to put in the organizational structure for food to soil. And that's where the concept of the evolutionary teal principle and a self-functioning organization, organization that operates at a higher human consciousness mm-hmm. Uh, is explained so beautifully, and that's sort of you know that's the that's the challenge that I have taken uh, that I have given myself to create food to soil on those principles. Yeah. So I'd recommend those two books to your readers. Perfect, thank you. And what one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners? I'd say start somewhere. Many times we are trying to look at to solve a problem. We're trying to solve a problem, but the problem is so big and we are afraid to take that first step. In Just from my journey, I can say that you will find your path. You just have to take that first step, whether it is in composting, maybe you've wanted to compost, but you just don't know where to start. Start, take that, just, just take that first step and things will fall into place. Make sure that you don't send your nutrients to the landfill. Start a compost pile in your backyard. Find a neighbor who can take your scraps and compost it. Feed it to animals. Find a drop-off program. There are various options. 
start somewhere. And if it's not composting that drives you, if there's something else that that you're trying to solve, just Mm -hmm. take that first step and everything else will fall into place. (laughs) Nice. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Sarah. Thank you, Greg, for having me. I really enjoyed talking with you. You bet. So how can listeners get a hold of you and find out more about this amazing program you put in place? So the first step is always just go on our website. That's the, we, we, uh, we update it frequently. The website address is www.foodtosoil.net. The two in food to soil is the number two. Mm-hmm. You can also, we have a very active Facebook and Instagram platform. So just look us up, Food to Soil, again on Facebook and Instagram. And if you need to reach us, you can email us at info at foodtosoil.net. Excellent. You can also find show notes from today's podcast at urbanfarm.org forward slash food to soil. We are your urban farming resource. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and every place where podcasts are found. Also visit urbanfarm.org to find articles, webinars, courses, and more. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast. Claiming your inner urban farmer is easy. Grow food, share it, and name your farm. Then let the world know you're an urban farmer while supporting our podcast. Pick up your urban farmer bling, hats, and t-shirts at imanurbanfarmer.com. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. One of the first things that many of us learn when we start to garden is how to water and fertilize the soil. But there is an exception to this rule, and it's called foliar feeding. You should foliar feed or water the leaves of your plant with liquid fertilizer when you want certain nutrients to be absorbed better. Not only are the leaves great at uptaking liquid fertilizer, if your soil isn't very good or your pH is off, foliar feeding can help your veggies and fruit trees quickly get the nutrients they need to thrive. If you're ready to start foliar feeding for maximum growth yields and quality, head on over to urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves to see our selection of foliar feeding products. That's urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves.